Hi there, we're back for another episode of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. It's Gerald Glassford coming right back at you here from Lakers Fast Break. Pop culture cosmos, inside sports fantasy football, and game source. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our shows. And if you can, give us that five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Or also as well, if you can like, follow, share, subscribe, anything you do to follow us on either Spotify or your favorite podcast outlet, it is truly appreciated. But also do what you can to support the outlets that my two guests are working for and, and do such great work for as well. Please, if you can go ahead and support Lakerholics.com and, of course, everything that Raphael does at the NBA Draft Junkies and also as well his other great podcasts, Run the Floor. It is truly appreciated. Well, Raphael and I said last night, I think some of our closing words were, if we could have a day today (laughs) like we did yesterday, we would be in NBA playoff heaven. And you know what? Day 14 of NBA playoffs was NBA playoff heaven. Now, it didn't quite work out the way, you know, Laker fans were probably hoping for. But again, you had two tremendous games coming right down to the wire. Both contested, both kind of controversial as far as their ending is concerned. With the Rockets coming out on top 104-102 to to end their series four games to three over the Oklahoma City Thunder and move on to the next round against... The Los Angeles Lakers. And then you had game two of the Eastern Conference battle between Miami and Milwaukee with Miami squeaking out on two free throws by Jimmy Butler after the clock had expired with a 116-114 victory over Milwaukee. We're going to talk both those games and we're also going to give uh, Magic Man here some thoughts if he wants to go ahead and preview the Lakers and the Rockets, because Rafael and I are going to preview it on Thursday. But here with me today is, first off, Sean Grice, a.k.a. Magic Man, from the place known as Lakerholics.com. Be part of the conversation today at Lakerholics.com. Sean, did you get everything you could have asked for as an NBA fan? Oh, absolutely, Gerald. Tonight was the best day of playoff basketball thus far. Absolutely. Um, looking looking forward, uh this to me is steel on steel. I think uh, going into this matchup, it's it's going to be Russ and James versus AD and and LeBron, and whoever comes out on top between those four, I think will win the series. Uh, I'm just going to go ahead and predict the Lakers in six. I just think AD is just going to be too much for them uh, on all four levels, scoring in transition being able to hit his mid-level jumpers and keeping them honest in the paint. I, I, I think he can match James Harden free throw for three throw if that's uh, the game that D'Antoni and Harden want to play. So I think there are a myriad of ways this series could go. I think the first four games are a split, and then I'll take the Lakers to win game five and six. All right. Well, you got it all mapped out there. Uh, Rafael and I are going to probably go into it tomorrow because I haven't actually mapped it out that far yet in my brain. I just taking a deep breath right now (sighs) (laughs) after what went on today, but also with us is the man. Indeed, you know him as the man behind NBA draft junkies. You know, if you like I said before, if you're in the mood to find out what's going on with the NBA draft. There is absolutely no better place to go than NBA draft junkies. Dozens and dozens and dozens of profiles are waiting for you to take a look at today at the, on YouTube at the NBA draft junkies channel. Plus also he's got his NBA draft junkies podcast. Plus also as well, he's got to run the floor podcast and to top it all off like whipped cream and a cherry on a Sunday, <laughs> you can check out his articles that he writes on NBADraftJunkies.com. It is the man indeed, Mr. Raphael Barlow. And Raphael, again, that grin we thought was pretty big on Adam Silver is probably hurting so much because it's getting even bigger now. <laughs> yeah, he uh, he's probably sweating bullets. He did not want to see the Thunder in the second round of the playoffs. <laughs> versus the Lakers. Bad for TV. Could be, could have been bad for TV. Like I said, that was the better matchup, I think, personally. But, Rafi, I'll start with you. And what, what the game we're going to cover is first, 
we're going to cover the game seven between Houston and Oklahoma City. And it did come down to, like we saw at that very controversial ending. I want to note something out to you when I'm watching ESPN slash ABC as far as their coverage usually. And when Mark Jones is on there, and I really, really like Mark Jones, especially when he's with Doris. But today, if I hear another phrase or another reference from Mark Jones referencing the clutch time that Chris Paul has, and then right away, not even as he gets it out of the sentence out of his mouth, Chris Paul manages to turn over the ball or do something bad or do something with it that's an error. I mean, Chris Paul literally had the game in his hands today. And this is what he says. This is what, well, actually, Mark Jones was saying. This is what he lives for. This is what he lives for. He doesn't shy away from it, yada, yada, yada. And it seemed like time and time again in that last two minutes, he didn't shy away from it, but he also didn't help his team either. Well, Mark Jones has not watched, uh, he must not have watched any Clippers games because I always felt like when they came down to the last shot or whatever, Chris Paul never took it. Even today, I, I've been critical about Chris Paul, and I've said it before in the show. Great player, but we used to, uh, my little group of friends would call him CP3 quarters because <laughs> I always felt like he deferred in the fourth quarter. And if you look at this game, the, I mean, this play sums up how I've, I've felt about him when the game is on the line. It was like 13 seconds maybe when they had the ball, and he almost turned it over. And then uh, Gilgis Alexander didn't want the ball. And then he dribbled from one end of the court to the other. And they were expecting an undrafted rookie, even though he had a great game and he was knocking down shots to take the game winning shot for them. And then also I feel like Chris Paul was six of six on the free throw line. Why didn't he shoot the free throw? Yep. I, I, so, I, go ahead, Sean. I was confused. Yeah, I'm I'm with Raf. I was confused. Like why why aren't you sending up there? I think he's over ninety three percent from the line in the mm-hmm. clutch. Yeah, and so um I've just always felt that even when he was with the Clippers, if they had a big possession late in the game, he would defer and JJ or Jamal would end up taking the shots. And and even though this year he I mean, that, that lineup they had was clutch, and they were the best lineup on the floor. I don't. It didn't seem like anybody wanted to take the last shot. Didn't seem like it, did it? Especially, except no. for, you know what? Except for Luke and Stewart. Give him all the credit you can. Yeah, you know, James Harden had an incredible, and I can think I'm just like almost shaking my head when I say this, incredible mm-hmm. defensive play. But give him all the credit. Dort didn't hesitate. Now, it takes him a while to get his shot off, and ultimately that was his undoing because that made it easy for James Harden to block the shot. But you know what? He tried to take the shot that Chris Paul, Shea, or Dennis Schroeder should have taken instead. Well, I even think he was in a situation where he had to take it. Oh, yeah, he had to. He had no choice, but he didn't, yeah. he, he didn't hesitate. He, was, he got the ball. He didn't try to – he just – it takes him a while and the fact and that split second extra second that it takes him to wind up that's what cost him in the long run. And, and you know you know what Gerald you're, you're absolutely right and I think with like a summer and a whole season that can be a correctable um shooting mechanic um a problem to correct uh, it, it, this was the best version of Dort that that we've seen oh, yeah. if if he can play like this not every game, but like every two, three games with uh, Shea, that that's your backcourt of the future right there. Well, like I, I said, that- like I said before, John, that you know, I give the kid all the credit in the world. That's his game is still unrefined. When he goes to the basket, it's still a rough watch. I mean, there's still a lot of things that he needs to work on, but. I like what I see. The kids got bravado. They're like like a parking lot. They're like Rajon Rondo uh, distance. You know as far who as... he reminds me a lot of um, right now? Uh, John Starks. Now, I'm not comparing him to John, but he's capable of a brilliant performance one night, and then, you know, you're shaking your head at his intensity the next night. So I, I think if he gets under control and, again, has another season under his belt, I think that... 
that those little hitches in his game will will be corrected. That's, it is going to take a little time, but the future's looking bright for that kid, uh, and I, I'm rooting for him. Uh, just some great uh, effort Maybe by boy. him. But he can needs he, to fire his agent. Yeah, absolutely. Because horrible. What'd you say earlier about his contract, Raphael? He needs to fire his agent. He has a he signed a four year, five point four million dollar deal, and after year two, it's a team option for year three and a team oh, option for gosh. year four. And and, and that's just like it's a, the biggest bargain. I mean, I, I think if you did a redraft right now, he could probably go lottery. And why why didn't we do that with with Taylor Horton Tucker? My God! Well, I mean, Rich Paul wasn't gonna <laughs> allow him to be in such a bad deal. I mean, even most guys, when they sign a two-way contract, you sign one, and you maybe sign a two two-year deal, but you give your player an option just in case he outperforms it, that he can put himself in line for another contract. But that's Sam I mean, for you, man. He's brilliant. Well, that's also the agent not having any faith in his client. Let's put that with that uh, right there for you as Good well. Enough. But yeah, again, I, I, well, again, uh, Raphael and Magic Man, I think right now I, I see a lot of good things from him going forward. And that speaks well for Oklahoma City going forward because not only do they have like 3,000 draft picks over the next 10 years, uh, they've got a lot of young assets that they can go ahead and keep or retain or trade. And Chris Paul maybe one of those assets, older assets that they could trade, because he proved himself outside of that, those last minutes where like Raphael and I were talking about, that he didn't get it done today. But game six, I mean, he showed up there uh, overall in the series. He played pretty good. Didn't play at the level you were hoping to see consistently over a seven-game period. But again, it might be just enough for Knicks or somebody other team to go ahead and say, you know what, we're going to take a chance on him to get our team to the playoffs. I know Laker Tom already has Chris Paul on the Lakers, which absolutely blew my mind when I read that on Twitter. I think, yeah, just, <laughs> my gosh, do we want to go ahead and just, just plug our salary cap even more? Come on, go ahead, Tom. Go ahead. Let's just <laughs> plug it up even more. <laughs> How did he think he could make that work? Uh, yeah, that's what I still want to know. I mean, obviously, it, it was, it was, I'm, you know, I'm it was, sign it, Kuzma to a, a Supermax and so, then <laughs> sign a trade. And along with Danny Green and, and some other pieces. Uh, but, yeah, he, he's got that on Twitter, and I just saw that in glance, and I'm like, ah, Laker Tom, Laker Tom. But, anyways, uh, I know Jamie Sweet was – also, uh, wishing us well. He's watching. Just wanted to go ahead and pass along Jamie Sweet's work that he does on Lakerholics.com. He has the Lakers in six as well, like you do, Magic Man. But again, Raphael and I are going to go on tomorrow's show and, and detail that more and go into more detail about that. But for tonight's game, Houston, even after a subpar game from James Harden, still got the job done. Raphael, what do you think was the key? Was the, I, I mean, I'm I. Can't believe I'm saying this. Russell Westbrook actually made up for a lot of sins that he made in game six this evening. Yeah, I mean, the thing about Russ, you know that he's going to bring you maximum effort every night. You know that he's not going to stop attacking and he's not going to shy away from the moment. I felt like Harden, he just, he has some game seven demons. I mean, even the look in his eye, he didn't look aggressive. He was settling. I think at one point he had taken 10 shots and maybe seven were threes. And, I mean, Stephen Adams did a good job of, um, you know, blocking the paint. And then, you know, Dort, we already mentioned how he, he did a good job of just making sure that Harden couldn't get the favorable matchups from the screens. But Harden just wasn't aggressive to me as he normally was. And I know you do a lot of skills training and whatnot, but when you look at Dort, the way he plays defense, the one thing I noticed the most, besides him fighting over the screens like his life depended on it, is his head movements. If you see him actually as he closes in and as he's playing hard and as Harden's trying to go ahead and engage whether he needs to go ahead and penetrate or shoot, you could see his head always moving. Dort's head is always moving, looking for a screen, looking for a screen, but yet still keeping mm -hmm. his eyes on his opponent. I I rarely see that with any consistency from defensive players out there. When players are on the defensive end, I think that's incredible. I think that's something that every coach should teach. 
because you know what? If you do, you're going to go ahead and create a lot better defensive players out of it, Rafael. I don't know about how you – to me, I just saw it, and I just immediately just thought that, you know what, this kid is made for defensive. Yeah, I mean, it, it's want to. Like, he doesn't want to be screened. But I know one play it cost him. It was a play where they did get the favorable matchup, and then instead of sticking to Covington, he went to double Harden when Steven Adams was out there. And Adams I mean, didn't rotate was... over. Well, I think Adams ends up having to switch just because of, of the screen. And then he, you know, it looks like it should have been a switch, but he ran out there when Harden was, Harden had the ball on the left, on the left side. And he ran out there and he left Covington wide open and he hit a three at the top of the key. I thought in that play, he made a mistake of being, I guess, kind of like his Avery Bradley where you're caught up in the, in the uh, individual matchup, that was a key, a key bucket. But um, overall, man, he's he, he's put himself in position to to be Oklahoma City starting wing. This is Raphael from NBADraftJunkies.com, and you are listening to the Lakers Fast Break. Hey, Lakers fans, looking for the best place to go for up-to-date news, information, original videos, articles podcasts, opinion pieces, and discussions about the Los Angeles Lakers, well, look no further than Lakerholics.com. With a legion of followers always there talking about everything Lakers and the NBA, there's no better place to go to share your fandom as the team heads toward another championship run. So stop by and be part of the conversation today at Lakerholics.com. So again, Houston moves on to the next round against the Los Angeles Lakers. Uh, I just, like I said, I, it was the matchup we thought we'd see, but I think there's mm-hmm. going to be at least in the first game a little bit of fatigue set in for Houston Rockets. So the Lakers need to capitalize on that because the Lakers are fully rested, which you and I've seen may not always be the best thing for the Lakers because they always seem to come out a little bit rusty, but. I'm looking forward to seeing what's going to happen on Friday, and you and I are going to be previewing that coming up on Thursday's show. But for today, Houston gets the victory 104-102 to over Oklahoma City. Looking forward to more action. And again, Oklahoma City has got a lot to look forward to going forward in the future. They've got assets galore, so I'm looking for Oklahoma City to make some good moves going forward. And they could be, for the next five, ten years, one of the best teams in the NBA. Uh, Magic Man, Rafael, do you guys both agree? I do. I don't. Really? Go ahead. <laughs> Elaborate. No, I want to hear it. I love, how, I love the contradictory fashion, so tell me. Well, they're going to have to be bad enough to get a top pick. So they may have a bunch of picks, but if they're a bunch of, you know, 17 or 18th picks, then I don't know. Like, look at Boston. They they have a bunch of picks. Like, they have three picks in this draft, and I don't think they're going to be able to get much for them. I mean, they benefited with uh, Tatum and Brown, but I think Oklahoma City, unless they get rid of Chris Paul, they're going to have to bottom out. Then I think if they can bottom out and get a top five pick that's their own, then it helps them. But if they end up having a bunch of picks that are like I said in the mid teens or whatever. I don't know if it's gonna make that much of a I, difference. I think I think they can do that. I think if 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 CP three goes, Steven Adams is on the block too. And they'll try right. then they'll just they'll just start from ground zero with uh Dort and Shea. Gallinari is the only free yeah. agent, is that correct? Yeah, and you know yeah. Schroeder's got a really nice deal too. So you could maybe trade him for uh, protected number one, or who knows what press he could get for somebody like him. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. You never and know. I think it's tough because they, I mean, they had such a good year this year. And, and you know, that's you the thing. Chris- I, 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 sorry, Raphael, I, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I, I just was going to say, I think Presti just took this year to figure out what he's going to do in the off season. Because I don't think this same team comes back. There's, there's no way. I, I just, I don't see it. Go ahead, Rafael. Which is tough. You, you tell yeah. the fans. I know this team was great, and we overachieved. We were a second away from making it to the second round, but this isn't in our plans for the future. So we're going to break it up. 
we're possibly going to lose Gallinari for nothing. And but I mean, he's the kind of guy know. who can make those decisions and 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 not even blame. So, the, yeah, the, the right guy in charge at least. Uh, before we go on to the next series, um, I just want to ask you guys a question. Don't you think the Pacers tried a little gainsmanship in this series by? Like I've been hearing whispers that D'Antoni's already got his bag packed for Indiana. Have you guys been been hearing that too? Yeah, I read that. Yeah, yeah. So I'm just wondering if that was a little bit of gamesmanship by the Pacers, just with the timing of firing Nate. Well, there's always those rumors that come out the next time. You know, as soon as you you get those those firings, you're gonna hear the rumors literally the next hour on Woj, on Shams, on Chris Haynes. Whoever you're going to hear those rumors. That, that one seems realistic to me, though. It, yeah, it, it, some it, of it's put it, out by agents. Some of it's put out by sources. Some of it's put out by just sheer rumors and people throwing names out there. But Dan Tony going to Indiana is a definite possibility. But that's not the only place. Once if he leaves, if if let's say they get beaten by the Lakers in six or five or four or whatever, and Dan Tony leaves because they will be clearing house in Houston. That could be all the way up to Daryl Morey. We're still, you know, wait to be seen. But if small ball doesn't end up going as far as small ball, you know, they want in, in Houston, uh, D'Antoni's going to be a wanted individual and not just there. It could be New Jersey, could be all over the NBA. I know he will be a wanted individual. I think it depends on how they compete in the second round. If they get swept, then it's going to be a bad look. If they lose in seven and it's competitive, then I don't know if you blow it up after that. But I think it's, I mean, the main thing is they got past this first round. If they would have lost the first round, I mean, Antonio might as well just uh, flew straight to West Virginia from Florida and I even go, <laughs> and I even go home and pack. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, I think the rumors to Indiana are, in my opinion, I think it's because Oladipo has some, issues there. I think it's based off of his quad. When he had the injury, he kept being cleared to play. Then he ended up, you know, uh, I don't know if he tore his quad or whatever he did. He really missed a whole calendar year. Yeah. He was he missed a full year. Then there were rumors that he didn't want to play in the bubble, but he was going to be fined three million dollars. Well not fined or he just wouldn't have got paid. It was going to cost him three million dollars. And then for them to sign Nate to an extension and then 14 days later fire him that sounds like a power move that and I could see if I'm Oladipo why I would want D'Antoni right in a free agent year <laughs> you Absolutely. get D'Antoni next season and you get put in in that offense in a free agent year you're getting I mean I think he would have gotten the max anyway but you put yeah. yourself in position to you know, to put up numbers. I mean, if he puts up 26 and nine and five, which he would in, in a D'Antoni offense, then, you know, it's, you know, you see what he did for Harden, you see what he did for Steve Nash. So he got <laughs> Jeremy Lin. So yeah, I, I, I would want, if I was a ball handler, I would want D'Antoni to be my coach. For sure. That isn't if Laker Tom has, well, actually Laker Tom has had Oladipo on the Lakers first. So, uh, there is no player that's safe in the NBA from Laker Tom, I tell you right now. But I want to go ahead before we go head on out, obviously head to the other game today. And I was talking about this just before you came on, Magic Man. It was Milwaukee in their second quote unquote home game of the second round against Miami. And Miami on two free throws after the game had ended because it was on the last second shot by Jimmy Butler that he got fouled, or I should say a hand-on, uh, by Giannis uh, Antetokounmpo. Uh, the Miami Heat won 114-112 over Milwaukee. And I'll tell you right now, as I told Raphael before we went on the air, you live by the Mark Davis, you die by the Mark Davis. So it comes down to it, was it a... And, you know, as Raphael and I were talking about, we were pondering this, I'm going to go with you, Magic Man, first on this. Do you think the last two calls by referee Mark Davis, where uh, I think it was Middleton that took the three-point shot, Mm -hmm. that got fouled 
and I quote, put that in air quotes, got fouled by a standing straight up and straight up, maybe moving. I don't know. I just, to me, you know, it was kind of iffy, but again, he was, uh, Goran Dragic was called for the, for the foul. Middleton made all three, three, three free throws. And then right after that, I said the call was there as Jimmy Butler was coming down. Giannis Antetokounmpo had a hand on his hip. Didn't affect his shot at all, but barely on the way down, put a hand on him, got the call after the game was technically already even over. And that's how they end up losing the game. But both calls were made by referee Mark Davis. So I ask you, Magic Man, the first call, Rafi and I talked about it already, but we'll go ahead and share our thoughts here on, on, the, on the air here in a sec. But, that first call on Goran Dragic, do you think that was a foul or not? No, I, I don't think that was a foul at all by the rule. Okay, you can stay on the program. Just wanted to make sure. But uh, <laughs> And then the second call, do you think that was a makeup call by uh, Mark Davis? Yeah, of course that was a makeup call. Okay, you can stay on the show. Okay. <laughs> and that was such a tack thing, too. I mean, I, I didn't like either call, personally. But you know, it is what it is, Gerald. You call you called it the way I saw it. Dragic, I didn't see a foul there, and I definitely didn't see a foul on on Butler and Giannis going one on one. It was disappointing. It was disappointing as far as watching it. But Rafael, when you see the next game and the way the referees called that, with bodies literally in that last two minutes flying all over the place at times, and nothing being called. And then you go back to this game where, again, we come down to maybe his armpit hairs, maybe fouling Goran Dragic, fouling Middleton. And then you have on the end, literally, a hand that in no way deterred the shot. What does that show you as far as the way the inconsistent refereeing is? I mean, to me, it's kind of uh, disappointing. But when to me, when I doubt anything... I go with Doris Burke, and whatever Doris Burke says to me is gold. Well, it's the human element. I remember once refing like my brother's ninth grade fall basketball league, and I remember making a call, and then I thought about it. I was like, ooh, probably that wasn't a foul. It was just my human reaction. But then if I go back on it, I look like I'm indecisive. So I knew I was wrong, and I did what the referee did today. Next play down, call a foul, even it out. And so I remember um, another referee made a statement to me and stuck with me. I mean, I think about it all the time. And he says, yeah, you blew that call. I said, man, I know. He says, are they making every shot? I said, no. He says, we're not going to make every call. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> and, and, and I thought about it in that moment. He probably blew the whistle thinking it was a foul and then probably just reacted and he knows if he says, you know what, sorry, that wasn't a foul, inadvertent whistle, then he looks indecisive. You, you and know, so, and, and, and we see there's no crowd affecting these guys' decision-making. This is critical yep. thinking in the moment with each other or by yourself. You're not affected by crowd noise. You're not affected by... Yeah. I think you're affected by the benches and the players because yeah, you can really sure. hear them. Yeah, for sure, for sure. That's affecting definitely. Definitely. Yeah. I, I, it, just, it was one I, game. Go ahead. Yeah, no, I was, I was going to say it was one game. I remember um, it was right by the bench, and the ref didn't make the call at first, but you can tell he was totally influenced by by the bench. I think it even happened today. I think Westbrook had a the double dribble on the yes, baseline yes. where he went up, he lost it, and they were going to keep playing, but the reaction of everybody on the Thunder bench jumping up, up and down and it probably was a second or two, maybe even three seconds went by when he decided to call double dribble or whatever he called travel. So, And then there was also a call uh, later on, I think very close to the end, where uh, they were they made a call, the rest made a call, and it was, they were about ready to go on it. But D'Antoni, I think, made it such a stink that they took a second look at it and eventually got the, got the call overturned. So they, yeah, that was, was like a barnyard. The Air Gordon one? Doing. Yeah, I think so. I think it was, it was close to the end. The, uh, yeah. Charge on uh, Gallinari? Yeah. So that's, mm-hmm. that's yeah. And so I'm just, 
tell you right now, like it becomes more and more evident that the in this type of game with no crowd that these benches are becoming more and more part of what's going on. I think we should all just go like this for the entire game. Just, you know, have every call taken a look at because this is every time every player has any type of thing. We're seeing this all the time. Can we just stop doing this, please? I mean, it just seems like you only get two, you only get one call a game. You only get the chance to go ahead and and overturn one call uh, each game. But again, I've seen every NBA player do that on every, almost every possession. It's kind of irritating. But I will say that, you know, when it's called for, these guys are referees, like you said, Raphael, they're, they're human. They make decisions. They Sometimes it's not always the right one. But they do have time now to go ahead and take a closer look at these things in a fan, fashion that's a lot less distracting as far as without the crowd than what's normally taking place. See, if 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 I'm the Bucks right now, I'm a little bit more discouraged being down 2-0 than I would be if I'm the Raps. Okay. Um, so, yeah, so I'll pose that question out to you, Raphael. Uh, thanks, Sean, for that in and uh, that, it, you know, would you be more apt to? I think both teams right now are on the hot seat right now when you're down two zero. Yeah, there's a. <laughs> I don't. I don't think there's any constellation point. So we're down two zero, but it's a competitive two zero. I mean, both are the higher seeds. First time, uh, in I guess since the playoffs started, some some under eighty four or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Since um. So I looked up this stat. It's really interesting. So for teams down 0-2, in the 320 series that a team has been down 0-2, 293 have been won by the team up 2-0. Only less than 6.5% of teams come back from 0-2 and win the series. Now, it's been done before in the past few years. Uh, Cleveland did it twice. LeBron did it against the uh, the Celtics and the Warriors in the finals. I believe the Trailblazers did it in 2016, if I'm not mistaken. And one other team I'm missing recently. Didn't it happen last year? Yes, it did. Yeah, yeah. Milwaukee was up 2-0 last year, weren't they? Yes, the Raps. Thanks, man. Thanks. Yep, that was the one. Well, the game today was Miami winning on those two free throws made by Jimmy Butler after time expired. It was 116-114. to 114. I want to make a correction on that. I want to ask you this, uh, Sean. Uh, when it comes to what you saw in the game, you got a good game from Giannis Antetokounmpo. Made 9 of his 13 free throws, made 10 of 18 shots, very efficient, 14 rebounds. Couldn't ask for much more i mean you could ask for a big you know even a larger huge game from him middleton chipped in with 23 but where did it go wrong for them because they seem to be playing on their heels most of the game yeah i i I, you know what gerald this seemed to be just uh it 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 reminds me of uh like a like a 70s r&b band it's just jimmy butler and the committee it's just jimmy shows up usually and Goran's there and then you have like three or four guys that are just filling the stat sheet I mean look at the five guys who played over 30 minutes tonight you have at least three rebounds over four assists 12 and a half points it like they've just got players up and down the floor and I I really don't think Milwaukee has the kind of like I, like yes they can match them depth wise but Miami has specialized players who do certain things. Like, the way Spo coaches the Heat, it's the Pat Riley way. And the Pat Riley way is the same way all the time. You have to play defense, you have to rebound, and you have to be 100% effort, 94-50. You give me those three things, I can work within the boundaries of what your weaknesses are. And even a player coming off their bench later in the game, like Derek Jones Jr. from UNLV, he came in, gave them a big lift defensively. And that's something we saw trending tonight, Raphael, is the fact that defense was paramount in this game. Butler, you know, last game I was telling you at length about how, Jean, why, complaining why Jean de Setanakumpo was not playing Butler. Well, today he didn't have a huge game. Wes Matthews did a great job on him. But again, if you have a hot player on Miami, like Goran Dragic was today for the Heat, 
why do you not have Giannis Antetokounmpo on that player? Well, I think what makes Miami difficult in that sense is that they don't have one guy that they rely on. So they proved today, and it, and it, I guess it's similar to what Sean said. He feels like the Raptors are in a better situation, been down too well. Because if you look at the stats, you can't say, all right, Butler killed us again by scoring 30. They got a balanced attack. Giannis played a whole lot better, and the free throws weren't the issue this game. And Miami just ended up having a balanced attack where I forgot how many guys had double figures, but it was quite a few guys had double figures. And I don't even know if anybody scored 20. Uh, or maybe Dragic. Dragic, yeah, Dragic. Born, Dragic. Born, Dragic, 23, I think he had. Yeah, so, I mean, if you, you know, you take him off, you, I think whoever, like if you put Giannis on Dragic, then Buller could get loose. Or if it's, if he's getting to the basket and they're getting hockey assist. What really should be concerning for the Bucks is that Hero played pretty well tonight, but yep. neither him and Robinson have really caught fire yet in a game. And that's going to happen at least once in this series. So they're already up 2-0. This is really desperation time for the Bucks. And what I think Bud has to do is he can't, rely on regular season minutes. Giannis played 35 minutes and 38 seconds. Middleton played 33 minutes. Why are you playing those guys less than 40-something minutes? Yeah, yeah, I mean, your superstar's got to be 40-40-40, right? Got to be able to get at least 40 points in a game, play 40 minutes, and you have the same attitude whether we're up 40 or down 40. I I agree. It's to, I mean, like, I mean, I guess it's always unfair to compare anybody to LeBron or Kobe, but they would not have played 35 minutes. Phil was going to play you 42, and it's, I felt like Phil's philosophy is we have, we're the Lakers, we're on TV, we have enough TV timeouts and breaks to where you can get your rest there. I was going to say, even okay. a guy like Tony Parker, I remember like him arguing with Pop, you know, I'm 29 years old, Pop. I, I could play the whole fourth quarter. <laughs> or LeBron like, will just, you know, if LeBron's sitting on a bench and he sees something he doesn't like, he's going to get up anyways. <laughs> and he's going to check himself into the game, whether the coach wants it or not. Th- that's how much cachet he has. And with him or Anthony Davis, you've got to go ahead and play them the majority of the minutes. With your stars who are affecting the game, like Giannis Antetokounmpo, and even Chris Middleton, you've got to go ahead and play them the majority of the game. But again, it comes down to is on the defensive end. I just see their their defensive schemes not not up to par with what I'm seeing from Miami. Miami, I'm seeing hands fly all over the place. I'm seeing knockdown balls. I'm seeing knockdown passes. I'm seeing steals. I'm seeing those type of, of forced turnovers that I'm not seeing as much of on the Milwaukee end. And I, I really think that it, to me, is the difference right now in this series is that I see a little bit better intensity on as far as the team defense is concerned. Do you agree, Magic Man? hundred percent, Gerald. I couldn't agree more. It, it it almost reminds me of the Bucks are a team that really relies on you know, like timing. Like they're a rhythm and timing team. So if you can interrupt passing lanes. Or you disrupt, you know, a curl route by Middleton or maybe a back cut. It, it just screws them up somehow. Like you can get them off kilter and then all of a sudden Brooke Lopez has happy feet in the post. Or, you know, Giannis runs into the paint and there's Crowder or Duncan Robinson winning for him. Uh, so I, I've spoken through a lot of different matchups at them. And I, like I said, I don't think, but like Raphael said, Bud's got to react like in the game. Like he can't wait till halftime or when he's watching, you know, the loss tomorrow, make these changes. They have to come right away. Go ahead, Raphael. Um, I think when the game first started, he went with his normal substitution pattern. I think Giannis comes out in the first five minutes and it's like, it seems so scripted, but I think the reason why Miami's defense is looking a lot better, even though they only won today's game by two points, is because 
we all know Milwaukee's offense is based off of one guy. You, you know that Milwaukee in the half court, do they really have a lot of plays or players that you're worried about doing anything if Giannis is not creating the shot for them? Because in the Milwaukee's most dangerous when you miss. If you miss a shot, then you got to sprint back because Giannis put so much pressure on the defense. But if you can get Milwaukee to play in a half-court game, then they struggle because Giannis isn't necessarily going to beat you off the dribble because you already know straight line drive, you cut it off, he's going to spin, have a guy there, and it's going to be a charge. Bledsoe has the speed to get into the paint, but they don't really have like a really good shot creator outside of Middleton. You know, if the Lakers get in the jam, late shot clock situation, you got Braun that can beat you on three levels. Four, if you you know, whether it's the pass, the mid-range, the three, getting to the rack, shooting free throws. Um, you look at, I mean, Houston is supposed to have two guys that can do that. But with Milwaukee, you know if Giannis has the ball, it's a hard drive, spin. And if you're waiting on the spin and you're not, and then the, you, you're not leaving a shooter, then they're in trouble. Yeah, and 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 Raphael hit the nail on the head, and and like a Miami defense, they won't let they won't let something like that happen. Close out the shooters, you close out their airspace. That's mm-hmm. like the number one rule of a Spo Pat Riley defense. We're signaling the ref for a quick timeout, but we'll be back with more of the Lakers Fast Break podcast. Check out what's been going on with the Pop Culture Cosmo Show and the PCC Multiverse. I see the potential for basically like another Netflix kind of paradigm shift where here comes this other major player. They have a ton of resources. Apple could change the way that entertainment is consumed. They say it's the only time this year that you'll have stars from each brand battling each other. And we know it's not going to be the case, but they like to say that and more power to them, I guess. Well, it's a big first step bringing all those superheroes together. There were definitely some parts of the movie that I that I really enjoyed. And then there were some parts that I thought just kind of fell short of expectation. Part of it has to be something to do with how it's being promoted. And this is a thing where audiences do not agree with critics. That's the Pop Culture Cosmo Show. And the PCC Multiverse, every week on Apple Podcasts. And over a dozen of your favorite streaming and podcasting options. Well, it's going to be very interesting to check out indeed when Game 3 happens. That's going to be coming up here in a couple days, so I'm looking forward to seeing that game. Plus also, the Lakers now know who they're playing against. It will be Houston Rockets, so it will be tall ball against small ball. Or who in this chess match will go ahead and make the maneuvers first, whether they want to go big or whether they want to go small. We'll have to wait and see how that matches up. Raphael and I are going to be sharing our thoughts on that tomorrow. Magic Man, while you're here, you want to go ahead and share any last thoughts before we head on out? Uh, Definitely, Gerald. Uh, I just wanted to say that that Nuggets Jazz series really reminded me of, of, uh, you know, the old Sonics and Jazz in the 90s. You know, those old battles between Carl Malone and Sean Kemp. That one series, like, every possession seemed to go down to the wire. And then game seven, Sean gets to the free throw line, makes his two. Then Carl goes down, misses his two. It, it, it ended differently, but it was still, still chaos in the end. And who knows what's going to happen with Utah. They got to make some changes here. You got some stuff coming up for Lakerholics.com? Def, definitely, definitely looking looking at uh, the series preview between uh, the Nuggets and the, the Clippers. Um, right now, it, it just seems that the Clippers just have way too much on the perimeter for Denver right now. So I think the Clippers win in five. Raphael, any last thoughts on what you're working on with NBA Draft Junkies or your thoughts on any of the playoff series before we head on out? Yeah, I'm looking forward to this second round. Um, I'm I'm looking forward to see what Milwaukee does. I mean, they could be down three zero, and um, you know, once you're down three zero, the chances are slim to none. Well, I guess zero. Yes, <laughs> nobody's ever, everybody's ever came back. No, good. 
Gonna need and, a lot uh, of smelling salts and shovels. <laughs> yeah. And uh, tonight, like, I'm I'm glad Houston won. I, I I wanted to see the the Rockets versus the Lakers, but I thought about it. If the Rockets would have lost tonight, that means the last three MVPs would have just been getting slaughtered on social media. <laughs> because I don't know if you saw all the the Giannis jokes. I mean, social media is brutal. I mean, yes. they named awful. I saw them calling him Stromile, a Greek Stromile Swift. Oh, come on, man. <laughs> Like I least, saw, like Stromile didn't even practice. This is like, <laughs> people are getting ridiculous here. Yeah, I saw Clee Anthony early with an accent. Oh I just saw God. a bunch of <laughs> hilarious. I mean, just off the wall Ooh, comparisons. And I know it would have been a thousand times worse if the Rockets would have lost tonight. It it would have been it would have been bad. So, I mean, I'm I'm enjoying the playoffs because the games have been good, but social media makes it even fun because you're watching it with a bunch of strangers that you don't know and everybody has their own opinions. So that that's what makes it fun and how social media is kind of bringing everybody together and you're watching it with like millions of people at the same time that you can actually kind of interact with or read what they're saying. So I'm enjoying that part. As far as um, NBA Draft Junkies, I just released a video today, actually two videos, a strength and a weakness video for Devin Vassell from Florida State. He's a player that I think has a pretty high upside, but he has a floor of being a pretty good 3 and D guy. And then the next video that I release should be coming out within the next couple of days will be Grant Riller, one of my favorite um, prospects, even though he's a, he's a senior, he's a little older than what teams like because he's 23, but he's a guy that's fun to watch. I mean, he's probably one of my favorite players to watch as far as just offensive repertoire and getting buckets. So um, but that's that's pretty much it. Just updating the site and creating content. With, with uh, Devin Vassell, you, you love I love your comment on Twitter that said uh, about talking about his free throws or lack thereof that he shot in college. Yeah, one point five a game for his career. Oh, wow, two years. <laughs> okay, avoiding mm-hmm. that like the plague, but that could speak of other things as well. But again, yeah, for eighty pounds, yeah. <laughs> You might want to be down there. Yes, yes. And for all those great detailed analysis, you want to check out NBADraftJunkies.com, NBA Draft Junkies on YouTube. Also as well, his Run the Floor podcast and NBA Draft Junkies. Don't forget to check out those as well everywhere you get your podcast. With Sean Grice, he's a.k.a. Magic Man, so look for his articles today at Lakerholics.com. And before we head on out, I know we didn't pay our respects to one of the greatest college basketball coaches of all time who passed away this week. Uh, John Thompson wanted to go ahead and pay him his respects. Uh, Definitely one of the definitive voices in all of college basketball. I I mean, from a kid, I saw him and just thought he was just remarkable as a coach. Had those great teams. Had all those talk about tall ball when he had like seven footers and six ten uh, players, right? All just right around Patrick Ewing in the heyday of the Hoyas. And uh, I don't know if guys, if you wanted to share any John Thompson thoughts, but he truly, to me, is one of the best college basketball coaches ever, and one of the greatest basketball minds to ever grace uh, the community. So, yeah, uh, Raphael, Sean, any last thoughts on John Thompson before we head on out? Yeah, he was a, a a guy that I grew to appreciate more as I got older. When I was younger, I mean, I remember when the Big East was the Big East, and you had the St. John's, the Syracuse, and and all of those teams. And then, um, you know, I just remember he was like the coach of the big men. I was a little too young for for Ewing, but I remember Morning and Matumbo, and then um, you know I was a big Iverson fan, so I can. I can probably name that starting five from those those Iverson teams and um just a legendary guy in in DC and um and I you know for me at at one point I did not know that Georgetown wasn't a black college until I was an adult <laughs> because when you thought of Georgetown you just thought of John Thompson yeah. mm-hmm. and um yeah, I just thought of John Thompson. I, I thought it was HBCU for, for the longest. And then as an adult, I realized it wasn't. I went out to D.C. and realized, like, oh, this is a very, very 
<laughs> prestigious <laughs> school that is not near the White House back when you know the, the, the White House <laughs> before the area became gentrified. But um, no, it's just a uh, a tough loss for the basketball community, and it's like I know within a week after Lute Olson. So like two legendary coaches from from my childhood, and uh, I'm you know Allen Iverson has never been shy about his emotions and and crying and breaking down. I imagine he's having a really 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 tough time dealing with this simply because John Thompson changed his life. I mean yeah. he he had a huge impact in just turning things around for Iverson and gave him an opportunity when it looked like the door was closed for him. So. I imagine he's having a very tough time dealing with this. And so, um, you know, my prayers are out to the Thompson family and, you know, all his former players. I know he was a father figure to a lot of those guys and losing a father, whether it's your natural father or a father figure can be tough. Absolutely. Absolutely. Indeed. All the prayers from all of us at uh, Lakers fast break, Lakerholics.com. And of course, Raphael and NBA draft junkies. Before we end on out, please go ahead and check us out on social media at Lakers Fast Break. Also as well, you can reach Laker Tom for anything Lakerholics.com related and for Sean Grice and AKA Magic Man there. But of course, Rafael Barlow is at Barlow500 and at NBA Draft Junkies. If you have a question you want to old-fashioned email us, LakersFastBreak at Yahoo.com. And please, register to vote. Just do what you can to help fight systemic racism. Your vote is needed. Please register today if you're not already really could use your help in going ahead and and making those decisions to help us create a better world going forward. All right, everyone. It's been great. I'll tell you what. Again, Adam Silver, the happiest man in Orlando right now, continuously. That smile is getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And we'll see what happens tomorrow if that smile can get even bigger after tomorrow's games. We're going to go ahead and check out on the schedule. It is going to be the Clippers starting there series against Denver and also Toronto and Boston game three so the pressure's on Toronto and the and the actual series starts between Denver and the Clippers so who will win? You will find out tomorrow and we're going to report it all to you plus Raphael and I will go ahead and preview everything that's going to go on in the coming series between Houston and the Los Angeles Lakers that's coming up for you tomorrow right here at the Lakers Fast Break Podcast